Hello, my name's Florence. Welcome to the OBS pod. I'm an NHS obstetrician, hoping to share some thoughts and experiences about my working life. Perhaps you enjoy Call the Midwife, maybe birth fascinates you, or you're simply curious about what exactly an obstetrician is. You might be pregnant and preparing for birth. Perhaps you work in maternity and want to know what makes your obstetric colleagues tick, or you want some fresh ideas and inspiration. Whichever of these is the case, and for that matter, anyone else that's interested, the OBSPOD is for you. Episode 23, Language, Part 1. Language has been a key theme throughout the work I've done on maternity experience. It crops up again and again as an issue. It's impossible for me to talk about every aspect of negative language used in maternity care. It's an enormous subject. But I'm hoping in the next two episodes to explore some examples and give it some thought. Two episodes because it is such a big subject and because I think there are two key aspects. This week, I'm planning to talk about language that has a detrimental impact on women. A poor choice of words. Something that sounds more judgmental than neutral. Next week, I'm going to focus on abbreviations and jargon. This is equally a problem because it excludes women from understanding what we're talking about. Some of the language we use is embedded in systems and processes, and education, which make it particularly hard to change. It might be in the textbooks we use, or in the computer systems that gather data. So although we can change what we say as individuals, it is a more complex problem than it first appears. The first example of poor choice of language that I'm going to choose is failure. Failure, failure to progress, failed instrumental, failed induction. As I say the word failure, it's almost incomprehensible to think that we as professionals don't realise the impact it has. It's quite extraordinary. How can we describe something as failed or a failure? without thinking that might make that person feel bad about themselves. But we do. We use it all the time. Within the Who Shoes board game, maternity experience workshops that I have helped run, failure as a scenario card often triggers thoughts and makes the penny drop with staff that this isn't a good word. So I'm going to read it to you now. Failure. I hated it when the midwife kept using the word failed. I started with a failed induction and then she wrote down failure to dilate. That word had a real impact on me and I just wanted to cry. What alternative words can we use instead? It's all very well saying we don't like failure to progress but we have to use something to describe a problem, slow progress in labour. 
I try and use unsuccessful induction or delay in labour. But it's difficult. When did this failure word creep in? When I was starting to think about this episode of the podcast, I had a look back. I own a 1935 obstetric textbook. I bought it in a secondhand bookshop. I love it. It's a glimpse into past practice. And although many things have changed for the better, what it says about delay in labour is interesting. It terms it as delay in labour. And it's particularly interesting what it says about the first stage of labour being prolonged. It states that the only disadvantage is that the mother loses rest and therefore may be less able to withstand what is to come. It doesn't mention failure at all. So where did the terminology failure creep in? By the time we get to my 1987 medical student textbook, there it is, failure to progress. One possible indication for a caesarean. In the unit in which I work, partly due to my instigation, we don't write failure to progress in the notes when we're performing a caesarean. After much discussion, we've managed to alter our documentation. We have a section called lack of progress. And then within that, we have to select a reason. Either inefficient contractions, which may be because we can't use syntocinon or the woman hasn't responded to syntocinon or the baby can't tolerate syntocinon. Or we might have efficient contractions where the size or the position of the baby is what's causing obstruction in the labour. Is lack of progress any better than failure to progress? I really don't know. It's difficult because different women find different words difficult. But I think we can safely say failure to progress is difficult for most. Certainly when I had my babies, which I've described in my motherhood part two episode, feeling I'd failed with my first baby, failed to give birth failure to progress felt terrible and definitely contributed to me feeling distressed about my birth. Although we've changed our written documentation at work, the computer system will still spit out failure to progress. So although we as staff might be very careful not to use those words in front of women, and to try and talk about a slow labour or delay in labour or perhaps an obstructed labour. They may then be sent home with some paperwork that the computer has spat out at discharge saying failure to progress. There it is. We can't completely blame systems and processes though because again, as a little bit of research for this podcast episode, I delved into the NICE intrapartum guideline. NICE stands for National Institute of Clinical Excellence. The NICE intrapartum guideline has already changed. It doesn't mention failure to progress. It does talk about prolonged labour and it does talk about the need to transfer to an obstetric unit and possibly the need for intervention, but it doesn't mention failure to progress. 
And when we're on the subject of failure to progress, how about poor maternal effort? I wish I could say hand on heart that I have never written this in a woman's notes, but I confess I have. What do we mean by that? Well, this would be in second stage. So when a woman is fully dilated and the baby's head is descending through the pelvis and she's actively pushing. Poor maternal effort means that she isn't pushing in the way that is effective in moving the baby's head. This might be that the baby's head isn't moving and we ascribe that to her effort. It doesn't necessarily mean that she isn't pushing and it isn't a judgmental thing, however much it sounds. What we're effectively saying is the baby's head is not descending. So this is probably one of the next things I need to think about changing. Perhaps writing minimal descent with pushing would be a better way of describing it. And what it really means and what's really important is it affects the choice of instrument that you might use if you're going to do an assisted vaginal birth. If the baby's head is not moving much when the woman is pushing, forceps are often a better choice than a ventouse or suction cup. This might also apply if a woman's had a spinal anaesthetic and therefore the baby's head isn't descending because she can't push, she hasn't got any sensation to push. So this is another thing we need to address. Poor maternal effort. We need to consign that to the past. Another example of when language can be inadvertently offensive and difficult would be miscarriage and early pregnancy. These days, we refer only to miscarriage. And again, if you look at the NICE guidance on ectopic pregnancy and miscarriage, it only talks about miscarriage. Back to the textbooks then. My same 1935 textbook calls a pregnancy loss up to three months an abortion and a pregnancy loss three to seven months a miscarriage. What about my 1987 textbook? Well, that also calls the loss of a pregnancy before 24 weeks abortion. And there are different types of abortion. Threatened abortion, incomplete abortion, complete abortion. So when I trained, an abortion was a miscarriage. That was the word we used. In the mind of a woman, abortion is something totally different. In the UK, perhaps due to the Abortion Act in 1967, abortion in a woman's mind equates to choosing to end a pregnancy. Of course, this is not at all the same as a miscarriage. Thankfully, guidance today and textbooks today only talk about miscarriage. But if you imagine that I trained in an era when abortion was the normal terminology, then any doctor of my generation or older, every time they see a woman, is having to potentially overcome that medical training that they received. An abortion in a woman's mind not only is choosing to end a pregnancy, but also has connotations, ethical and moral, 
whether or not you believe in that choice or not. So abortion is a very difficult word. I'm pleased to say it's not a word I hear often anymore. Most of us have changed and most of us recognise that miscarriage is far better. But at workshops I've been involved in, I have heard women talk about being told they'd had an abortion and then finding this deeply upsetting when it was a very much wanted pregnancy. It would be impossible for me to discuss miscarriage without mentioning products of conception. We still consent people for an ERPC, standing for Evacuation of Retained Products of Conception. This means that you've perhaps had a miscarriage, but there is pregnancy tissue still within the womb and you need to have a surgical operation to clean out the inside of the womb. An alternative would be medical treatment to try and help the womb contract and empty. So again, back to the guidance. Why is it day in, day out in my unit, we are consenting people for an ERPC, evacuation of retained products of conception? When I look at NICE, it makes absolutely no reference to what may be left in the womb, but mentions a number of treatment options. NHS guidance says pregnancy tissue. If there's no pregnancy tissue left in your womb, no treatment is required. If there is some pregnancy tissue in your womb, your options are medical management, take medicine that causes the tissue to pass, surgical management, have the tissue surgically removed. So why don't we write that on our consent form? Pregnancy tissue. Surely that would be better. In talking about retained products of conception, we're forgetting the fact that from the moment a woman is pregnant, she's made the mental leap to a baby. A due date. A baby to hold in her arms. It may be only early. It may be that early pregnancy loss is commonplace. But that doesn't mean for her that it's just products of conception. For her, it's already a baby in her mind, in her vision, what she's foreseeing in her future. So we have only ourselves to blame when we look at guidance. Guidance has moved forward. Women's expectations have moved forward. Is it us professionals that are stuck in the past with our retained products? No maternity conversation on language would be complete without discussion of the word delivery. I see on social media many criticisms when people use delivery instead of birth. The frequent comment made is parcels are delivered, pizzas are delivered, babies are not delivered, babies are born, women give birth. There's often a frenzy when someone mentions the word delivery. I must admit, and I hope I don't get a deluge of criticism for this, that this is an area with which I do not entirely agree. Consulting the Oxford English Dictionary, A definition of deliver is listed, to give birth to, it means. I believe that the common saying in the past was that the woman was delivered of. And when you look at royal birth announcements, that's what it says. Her Royal Highness, blah, 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 was delivered of a healthy baby, boy or girl. I believe that this saying is due to the high maternal mortality in times past. 
and may relate more to the definition of deliverance. Deliverance, the dictionary says, is the act of rescuing or the process of being rescued. So the idea of a woman being delivered of a baby, I think, goes back in time to when a woman had a very high risk of dying in childbirth and therefore her safe deliverance was what we were actually talking about, the fact she had safely come through childbirth and survived. So I don't entirely disagree with the use of the word delivery. But I feel it is the woman that is delivered. Delivered of the baby, not the baby that is delivered. Another controversial and difficult and upsetting word used in obstetric care is incompetent cervix or cervical incompetence. This is when there's a structural problem with the cervix with its shortening or opening in the second trimester of pregnancy, the second third. I have seen women deeply offended by this language, the idea that there is something incompetent about them or something incompetent about the way their womb and neck of the womb works. But I've also seen women speak out and say that for them, that diagnosis is fine. They don't mind what it's called. It's the consequence of what it means and what happens to them in pregnancy and that finding a solution is more important than what the problem is called. It's a difficult one. I don't know what the alternatives are. Cervical weakness, cervical ineffectiveness. I've seen a number of different options and this really brings me to the point that actually language is very personal There are some things such as failure, which for any woman, you'd expect that to have some negative connotations. But for some women, it's not a big deal what we say. For other women, it has a massive psychological impact. So it's very difficult for us when we have so many different women that we see on a daily basis. So those are some of my first thoughts about language. Today's zesty bit is to think about the language you use and how it might sound to the person on the receiving end. One size does not fit all and that makes our role as professionals, whether it be doctors, midwives, doulas, difficult. The best we can hope to do is to try and attempt to use neutral language but also make sure that In using that neutral language, we can still realistically convey the correct meaning so that women understand what we're saying. Pregnant women, I think for you, it helps us if you challenge and question the language we're using. Tell us what you find difficult, what you would prefer. If someone uses language in front of you you find difficult, please tell us. Tell us what is your alternative suggestion. And equally, if you don't understand what we're trying to say because the language is too wishy-washy and neutral, ask us, what are we trying to say? What is the meaning? As I've said, language is a huge subject and I'm attaching in the programme notes a fantastic blog which was written by Jen Phillips in the early stages of are my maternity experience work. This is almost like a translation 
what doctors or midwives say versus what women hear. It's brilliant. The second is an article in the BMJ, which was written by Catherine Williams and Andrew Weeks, a collaboration between a lay member of NICE, Intrapartum Guideline Committee, and a professor of obstetrics in Liverpool. So I'm not the only one examining language. There's a lot more to read and do and think about as we move forward. So I hope you've enjoyed today's episode and I do hope you'll join me next week for a second delve into language focused on abbreviations and jargon. So I do hope you've enjoyed listening to the OBS pod. If you have, do like, subscribe or leave a review and join me again to explore more about the life of an NHS obstetrician. I'm finding it really exciting to have people listening and give me feedback about what they've found interesting. So please do recommend the OBS pod to other friends, colleagues or people who you think might find it interesting. I'd love it if you'd share with me what you've enjoyed about listening and if you've done anything differently as a result. I can be found on Twitter at FW Maternity and at the OBS pod. And please do check the MATEXP hashtag, hashtag M-A-T-E-X-P and the website matexp.org.uk for more information and ideas on how to improve women's experience of maternity care. Finally, I'd like to reassure you that I take confidentiality very seriously and although I'm talking about experiences from my working life, I'm taking great pains to make sure that I anonymise the stories and talk in more general terms so that I keep confidentiality of my women I currently care for and have cared for in the past very safe. Many thanks for listening.